Hi, I'm Sade. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 45 of Shades of Brown. And this week, we're going to start with some uh, Google news. Christian, you can take it away. Um, Google, I guess, is ending the year on a, on a high note after a, a year of lots of, lots of bullshit. I think, I think that's the theme of 2017, right? Just like lots of bullshit from everywhere. But um, so Google is doing a thing that Apple does, which is so Apple drops iOS 11. It's released to the public. After that release comes out to the stable channel, if you're a developer and you're making a new app, you will not be able to submit an app that was created with the SDK for iOS 10, right? You have to be targeting iOS 11, it's a new app. Now, rules are different. Say, for example, you have a pre- you have an existing app, right? And you're updating it to support iOS 11, you're given more time. You don't have, the next update does not have to be targeting iOS 11. You can still um, target older devices or however you want to do that, but strictly for new apps. Um, I believe, I don't know if it's right after it comes out. I think Apple gives you a little bit of time, but assuming a couple months down the line, you will only, new submissions will only be accepting with uh, apps that target the iOS 11 SDK. And so Google is doing something similar. They're going to start setting a minimum API level that um, new and updated apps will use. Uh, interesting with updated apps too. Because so with, with Android, how it works right now, Google will, they, it's like a sliding scale, right? I know when we talked about notifications a while back, we were talking about how um, you only get these super cool new notification things in Oreo. And Google was like, well, if you're targeting Oreo and you're not using these notification things, you just stop showing notifications. But the problem is, if you still want to abuse notifications in Android for your users and not give users these granular controls, all you have to do is target the version below Oreo. And Google can't do anything to you because if they were to turn off notifications for every app that doesn't target Oreo, they would turn off notifications for about every other app, right? And so, so what what they're doing is uh, every app has to set two API levels in their uh, in their app settings or their internal the hell it's called on it. It's it's similar to a plist file on iOS, probably somewhere in some XML file. You have to set a uh, minimum API level, which is the oldest version of Android you can run on, and the target API level, which is the highest version you're aware of. So. Basically, so how, how, how this works is say, uh, I'm making a chat app because I hate myself. Um, and I want this chat app to only run on KitKat because I also hate myself. And, but I, I, I'm targeting uh, like Oreo, right? So I would say minimum API version 14. I don't know if KitKat's 14, but uh, highest API level or target API level 26. So that means that um, you, don't, you don't get like backwards library free. You still have to use the play compat back library Play Services Compatibility Library Back Compat, I think it's the short name for it, whatever Google calls it. You have to use that library and um, work to make sure that some features and gracefully degrade and all that. But this is assuming that every when you compile your app, it's being built against the latest version of Android. So this is good because um, Google can... Like new apps will actually take advantage of new features now, right? <laughs> like notifications and uh, those new um, indicator dot thingies, right? That you have on the home screen, like those um, live icons or sort of like 3D touch kind of feature. I forgot what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about, right? If you have a notification, you can just long press on it and it'll pop up notifications on the app icon on the launcher. All that stuff requires you to use the latest versions of the, uh, or newest versions of the API. And so I, I think this is best. Also, wait, crap, I've, we just forgot. 
the new provision system, right? You know, like Android now switched from before asking you at, at install time of every single permission, it asks you when it, it does what iOS does, right? And like as soon as the app wants to see your photos, it'll ask you then. You can just get around that by using an old API version. But now if you're using, with, with this change, Google can force every app on that wants to be on the Play Store to be using it, uh, that system. Yeah, this is, I mean, this, this change isn't happening till uh, August of 2018. So developers have some time, right? To get their get their houses in order, uh, it says uh, future future Android versions. Also, the, the blog post that Google uh, wrote about this is that future Android versions would also restrict apps that don't target uh, a recent API level and adversely impact performance or uh, security. Um, and as Ron points out in the article, that hopefully this means that Google is going to retire uh, API levels faster. Uh, allowing Android to, you know, be more streamlined and unified across uh, devices instead of uh, a lot of devices with older API levels being uh, being around. Uh, so that's that's Google's news. Uh, sort of uh, at the end of the year, like I don't think anybody was expecting this announcement this time of year. Like this came out at like the end of the year, like twenty first of December, and I feel like it's a weird change to announce. Uh, it's a good change though right it is a good change but like i feel like it was announced at an interesting time like usually when when companies announce stuff during near or during christmas it's because they want to hide it which which is an interesting uh i don't know if that was this the announcement date was intentional or just somebody needed to get this out of the way before the holidays uh well i mean it's also giving developers enough time right i guess like you you have to like you probably they probably just recently came to this conclusion right and and with a big change like this you want to give people as much time as possible to update their apps or to to change their workflow to work with this new system yeah so they're giving giving them so like nine months or so for this for developers to get on board with this uh so that's that's that uh next up we have some in important like quite big apple news actually yeah um, a lot of a lot of apple news came out at the end of the year um which is i talking about companies wanting to hide things um so i i this news is that uh there's always been this conspiracy theory right everyone just has it you update your iphone your iphone gets slower you update your mac your mac gets slower because apple wants you to buy a new phone which before we get into this news i just want to fight the notion um i apple probably does want you to buy a new iphone Maybe management might have that mindset, but like I, I know people who program for a living, right? I, I know people who work at these companies. Well, not I don't know. I don't have any friends who work at Apple, but like people work in. There's one or two people we know work in Microsoft. Work at Microsoft, and no one. I don't think any person who is an OS engineer, an application engineer, or a hardware engineer, is making these devices with the intent that in two years they're going to shit out on you, so they can get so you can get a new one. I. I think the, this news is a compromise, right? But I don't think maybe management, maybe higher up, someone might be thinking that someone just doing like numbers in business sort of things, right? But like no engineer, I I believe is actively thinking that we should make these things shit out on you so you can buy a new one because it betters the company, right? Right. Um, like so, the news here was uh, there was a Geekbench, I think, uh, post. Uh, about a, a certain functionality in that was introduced in iOS ten to point two point one to prevent 
the sudden shutdown issue that some iPhones are experiencing. I think it was the 6S, right? Uh, that was experiencing uh, sudden shutdowns. I think it was because of a bad battery. So, so it was experiencing bad, uh, random shutdowns because uh, sometimes the CPU per, the CPU would spike, right? Like so you're using, you're playing a game or whatever. And for whatever reason, the battery could not provide enough power. And when that happens to protect the device, it shuts down, right? And uh, Apple released an update that would, without telling anyone, they just said they fixed the problem. But so, right, it's Geekbench found found it out because they, when you run a Geekbench test, it will report the spike in your, like the max CPU and all that, right? And they'd aggregate data say, showing that devices that were this old, they could only run up to say 800 megahertz, right? Versus like 1200. These aren't exact. I'm just pulling these numbers out of the air, right? Like let's assume the max, the, the max that any iPhone can run at is 1200 because after that adult Apple will just uh, super hardly throttle it down for heat reasons. But older devices are only running at 600. And what was happening that in 10.2.1, what Apple did is that they started throttling the CPU if they detected that your battery's potential capacity was below a certain threshold. And uh, and what we mean by battery's potential capacity is say, so say right now you buy a new phone, that is, we'll consider a phone out of uh, the factory and in your hands, never been turned on before, is 100% capacity, right? And the more you use a lithium ion battery, the less of a charge it can hold because of how the chemistry inside that battery works. And over time, it goes from that potential 100% of however milliamp hours are in the battery to dropping down to 80% of it being able to be used because of the chemistry inside the battery. And Apple says, well, we noticed that devices with batteries that are running at 80% of their potential capacity will shut down randomly when the CPU spikes. So what so what you do is you then throttle the CPU consistently so it will never spike that. So the battery will not die or the battery will not or the phone will not shut off and the battery will last longer. But the problem is they didn't tell anyone. No, they didn't tell anybody. Uh, so the problem here is not what app I I don't, I don't really have Okay, so this is this is really a sort of a workaround. This is not a fix. Uh, the fix would be replacing the battery, but uh, uh, Apple does not replace batteries in iPhones uh, unless they're below eighty percent capacity. Uh, when when they test it at the store, uh, I think that's what they say. Uh, if it's not below eighty, they won't replace it. Um, so this is essentially a workaround to get around the sudden shutdown. And obviously, a sudden shutdown of a phone is is not a good situation to be in like you could be using your phone uh and it was suddenly shut off that's that's not good so i understand this workaround but what i don't really, uh, really understand is why they never bothered to like uh announce it like why they hid this from the public uh and why did they think that this would give them a pr hit when they, they, they did announce it before like if they said that yeah uh, if your battery is really old, uh, we do this because it it will affect uh, like it'll, otherwise your phone will randomly shut down. I think people would have understood that much better than the story that is going around now because now it looks like because now the PR story is that Apple is hiding something from you, right? Like Apple is actively like you know doing something that it, that they're not disclosing. So it, I feel like this was a like a PR disaster that it did not the thing they were saving for from a PR disaster, but it actually happened to, to become a PR disaster anyway. Uh, so that's that's my thought on that. I think I think it was uh, uh, like a workaround that was understandable. But if they if they had announced it properly, I think it would, wouldn't have become such a big deal. Uh, 
as, as, as it is now. Uh, so, and Apple is facing lawsuits. I think several lawsuits. Uh, yeah, several class action ones. Class action lawsuits. So, um, yeah, that's. I mean, well, I think there's, I think there's like a broader conversation we had, right? For the fact of the 6s is only three years old. Why, why are 6s's batteries being being that like affected like this quickly, right? Like that a drop from 180% of potential capacity within two years of owning the device, because the device is on the market for two years and Apple released 10.2.1. That and that that's interesting for that reason. And and but I mean that maybe that might be maybe just a one-off flaw and maybe so a run of batteries that Apple found. Yeah, I think that's what I think this one, I think the 6S has like a potential uh I think the six six S and the okay, the six is getting pretty old at this like four years now, right? Like what, four years? But the 6S and the SE uh, are not that old. Um, but I think their batteries might be degrading faster for whatever reason. Or maybe... But Apple might be doing it to your phone too, right? That's the thing. It's not... It's 6S and on. It's not just the 6S family. They're going to do it to the 7. They already said that the software is in place for the 8 and the iPhone 10. Every new iPhone will now start doing this in order to protect the battery. So this is this is going to become like a standard sort of battery uh, work... like battery degradation workaround right like this is like a workaround that they're putting in place so that your phone doesn't like your phone still works but at a slower rate and it's not shut off but if you if you probably have this issue you probably notice that your 6s or like sc is going pretty slow you probably should probably take it to an apple store Um, they don't tell you though that's the thing like you have to notice that it's going slow and sure for me and you for me and you will notice it like we can notice when our phones are going slow but a regular person you're like wow this phone's going to shit i don't remember it being that bad and i like they i i just think that there's like removable batteries are good right man (laughs) like and i i i know they have their problems but i feel like there should be a compromise or at the very least apple will uh make changing batteries easier because they only do it when it drops below 80 and then you have to go to an apple store and get it tested and it's just like i i don't know what's this is a hard problem because it's happening to devices that are at 83 percent. it's not just when it hits 80 right it's somewhere below 90 from geek benches and i fix its uh tests and all that stuff right if, if we assume then that around 90 is when your device can no longer hold a potential charge if the cpu spikes that's a problem and apple it's i think it's i think also too this is a problem because apple puts small batteries in their devices right so that's why they dive faster in terms of like the because there's less milliamp hours it's smaller battery so you're working it far more than you would a like an android phone that trips as a four thousand milliamp hour battery so maybe maybe a solution would be for apple just to put in bigger batteries because then they would last longer Hopefully, oh man! I, yeah, that's yeah. People have been asking Apple for bigger batteries for a long time, but uh, that's I mean, obviously not happening. I think uh, clearly that's not the direction they're moving in. Uh, I just think that more transparency probably is the best. Yes, like this was just, this, just, this just, was this was an unnecessary PR disaster. I feel like I've, in hindsight, I think I mean hindsight is twenty twenty, but I feel like in hindsight this was a disaster. Like whoever made the call that you know probably don't have to announce that probably made the wrong call you know uh so that happens but yeah so this is it's probably something to be aware of and if you do have concerns about your ios device's battery just you know take it to the apple store and get it tested right uh you can but, also um if you have xcode on your mac i believe if you open up the console and you have your device plugged in with sim with a simulator or some sort of thing running on it 
I'll put a link in the show notes to it. It will tell you what uh, what your device's battery potential is at, or like the the, the percentage of the capacity. Okay, uh, so that that that's available to developers as well, I guess. So that's why uh, that's why it's, it's it's not exposed in iOS anywhere, but uh, it should be probably in Xcode, right? So that's uh, yeah, which is uh, not not a great solution, but if you if you want to check just to make sure, uh, you could definitely do that um as my experience apple care does not switch out batteries that uh I, from what i've heard they won't it's like it's not like as getting your screen fixed right we'll just like do it for you you just pay the money like they only switch out batteries if they if they feel the need to which i think apple should change that policy and just let more people switch out batteries because a if you're giving your battery back to apple apple has is probably going to recycle it better than you would on your own and b uh I would say having third-party shops replace iPhone batteries. While I think that easy repairability like that is good, and like some people might not be able to make it to an Apple store, uh, you do not want aftermarket batteries going all over. Like I feel like you'd probably want some an official Apple battery if you're getting your phone switched. And if Apple won't do it right, and you have to go to like some random shop ran by like a 17-year-old in the middle of a mall, I don't know if that's really the best option. Yeah, um, yeah, that's. Yeah, batteries are, I think, uh, after the Note 7, people are more aware that, you know, they have lithium-ion batteries in their pockets. So uh, that's that's the thing. That's the Apple battery story. And I think there's another Apple story. <laughs> this is sort of a rumor more than, like, uh, I guess, uh, as a problem. Well, this story. one... This this is a, this is a fun one because I like this one though I like this Apple story Apple's uh, Apple's you know uh, embracing the universal platform <laughs> the, the whole idea of universal platform you know so to introduce what right Microsoft with Windows I think we've talked we talk about it all the time Microsoft has something called UWP Universal Windows Platform Apps and that means that you can take one binary and run it on an Xbox run it on a desktop run it anywhere that Microsoft has an OS to back it, right? And so Apple is looking into a unified UI framework to write Mac and iOS apps. And um, so right now, if you have a Swift app, you can share the backend. But like, so I want to just, I just want to separate this out real quick. This isn't like UWP, because UWP is a whole app binary, can run on all devices, and then you can do platform-specific tweaks. You can have different UI layouts for uh, desktop, mobile and xbox if you wanted to with how ios and mac os apps work right now mac os the ui framework is called app kit um ios the ui framework is called ui kit tv os is tv kit and watch os has watch kit so those are all different they all don't work the same i think i said before when we were talking about watch os 4 how like watch kit and ui kit are not linked up in weird ways that don't make sense to me um so, but you can have the backend for the entire app be the same, right? So not, none of the UI code, but say like your data uh, containers, um, if you're having like a, a music player app, right? The logic that plays music can be the same code between all three apps. Uh, and then you just have to rebuild the UI for it right now. That doesn't work in all cases. It doesn't really work for bigger apps, but you can do that if you want to. What this is essentially is Apple taking the whole UI framework, so the front end stuff, and making it so where you can share that between all three platforms. Now, that's all we got from this article. Everything else is just we conjecture because we do not know if this is going to be how Microsoft does it or if this is going to be how 
Google does it. Because Microsoft does it where it's different layouts for UI, mobile, and that. You can have it where if I resize this window to be look like a phone app, it'll be the phone app. But if it stretches out, you can have it the UI be wildly different. With Google's approach with Android, they have something called fragments, I believe, which is that uh, you structure your app to be multi-column. So say, for example, you have a hamburger menu, it slides over, and then you have a window of content, and you have a view behind it. If I tap an item on that list to see the album, and then with these fragments, if you say pass a certain width, these things are no longer stacked on top of each other. They're stretched out. So the hamburger menu is persistent on the side. The uh, view of like the list of songs or albums or whatever is consistently in the middle. And the left side is the now playing screen that you would only see on a phone if you tapped the uh, view for the, uh, for the song. Um, so I don't know how Apple is going to do it. I think, I think how they would do it, just knowing how UI kit and app kit works, is that uh, they would make base elements work the same. So say like, uh, making a button on a Mac app is really different than making a button on an iOS app. So they're probably, I would say that stuff would probably just be the same because it doesn't matter. And then each platform would have its own specific tweaks, right? So iOS would have a set of APIs for touch that you don't need on a Mac and would be ignored if you compile it against the Mac. And then a Mac would have, a bunch of APIs for the menu bar or for windowing, right? Um, if you're on iOS, it would ignore that. Now, this I I think there's another aspect to it, right? Where it's um, people on Twitter have been talking about how this would make making Mac apps so much more simple, right? And it's like I don't think so because you you take an iOS app, right? Say let's take um, the messaging app on iOS or like GarageBand for iOS, right? Any of these apps that Apple makes or even Apple News. What if I want to open a second window? There's nothing the, the app. The, if you try and like port an iOS app to macOS using this, and then like you do nothing to support windowing or uh, macOS's document system, like I, it, I don't think it's going to be easy. I think it's going to be easier for iOS devs to make Mac apps, which is what Apple wants, right? Apple wants, and and it works the other way, right? Apple probably wants for um, professional apps to be ported to the iPad, right? Like, I don't I don't think Apple cares if you use a Mac or an iPad as long as you're buying their devices, but it probably annoys them, right? That like you can't get Photoshop on your iPad or you or the version of Microsoft Word you get is Microsoft Word Lite, right? They'd much rather have it be, okay, fine. The UI, let's change it so it works with a touchscreen, right? Like each device, each input method gets its own specific UI that makes sense for that input method, but there shouldn't be a reason that it has to be a hampered down experience on the back end, right? Like why, why should Microsoft Word be less capable on the iPad Pro than the Mac? It's not like the iPad Pro lacks processing power to do any of that stuff. This is, I mean, this is all rumors. Like at this point, obviously Apple has declined to comment. That's, that's, that much is uh, normal, but uh, we have no idea if this, any of this is ever going to ship or if it's actually ever going to happen or, you know, see any sort of public release. Uh, but like, I'm not surprised this is happening. I think this is this, this, this sort of converged uh, UI framework thing has, like, benefits and, like, potential and, like, you know, how, like, like minimizing, like, the amount of work developers have to do is, is, is good, I guess, uh, to have apps across platforms. Because like the Mac app ecosystem is kind of a bit a bit stale. Like it's a bit like it's it's not a bad ecosystem, but I feel like it's a bit 
It's more Electron than it should be. It's more Electron, and it's a bit niche. And the, the few apps that do develop for macOS are pretty pretty damn good. But like, uh, they're few and far between. Like apps like you know Audio Hijack uh, or what else? Like what like Tweetbot? Uh, yeah, and it's it's like they're small too because like making Mac apps is really fucking weird. Really hard. Like, I, yeah, uh, it's like it's uh, I it's like making classic Win thirty two apps. Like if anyone who has made a mobile app, you just I started like I've only dabbled in macOS uh, app kit stuff. I mainly most of my the programming that I have done, which is little to be honest, is with iOS and UI kit and all that stuff and watch kit. And when you hop over to app kit, it's like, why do these things work the way they do? And I know why they work the way they do. They work the way they do because this was a originally the HI kit from Next Step, right? I think yeah. I think uh, the development history of macOS is. Like it's something. It's this. This it's from like nineteen eighty nine, right? Like nineteen ninety something. <laughs> a long time. This yeah. is why it's going all like it's weird in two thousand seventeen because the the U some of the APIs we're touching are like from not like next step next OS. Like there are API methods that have NS before them, and uh and Mac OS and uh with AppKit and NS stands for next step, like next step button or whatever, right? Like that's. There's such a long lineage of it, and I think a clean break is maybe for the best. Maybe, but it, it will not be easy, I think. It will be difficult, uh, as, as Microsoft is obviously finding out. Uh, it's not a simple task. It'll take many years if, if Apple does intend to embark on this mission. Uh, it will be a long Well, they journey. have to do it, though, right? He's like, it's, where does the Mac go, right? Like, Apple... Uh, you no one's gonna make Mac apps, right? That's why Microsoft's doing a Windows because no one's making Windows apps. So it's either you give a platform that's universal or run on the Xbox, run on all the platforms that people actually use, and then you know, prop it up on the back end of good services and you hope for the best because no one's making desktop apps. The only people who are making desktop apps are people making shitty web apps or electron wrappers. And I mean I know I don't want to get into electron rap rant, right? But like if this prevents more Electron apps from being made because people can just port up their iOS apps in an easier way that doesn't involve them like using UIKit, I'm all for it. Like, cause I just fuck Electron, man. I think a lot of the <laughs> big desktop apps are very specialized and are not going anywhere. Like, you know, stuff like the Adobe Suite, uh, stuff like video editors, and, you know, other sort of uh, creative production software. Uh, that stuff is obviously designed for desktop, and I don't think that's going anywhere, but. There's a lot of like small apps that you know could could that exist on iOS but don't really exist in macOS uh, that could benefit from uh, a proper desktop version. That you know, well, think about it with Mastodon, right? If if this way, it'd be way it'd be it'd be a way for Mastodon devs to maybe make a Mac version of their iOS Mastodon app, right? Like that was that doesn't require them to learn AppKit. Mm. Uh, Mastodon needs to have a fully fleshed out API first, but uh, that's a different discussion entirely. Uh, well, I'm just saying it's it this makes it easier to make apps at scale, and I mean Google's doing the same thing. Look at Chrome OS and Android apps. Um, I don't know we've talked about it yet, but uh, so I recently got my father a, a, a Chromebook that supports Android apps, and it's hot garbage, right? Like, don't get me wrong, like these Android apps run like trash. They're crashy. They're buggy. Like, uh, it's not a good time to run Android apps on Chrome OS. Like it is if you have a pixel book or something of a superpower Intel processor in it, but I mean you really shouldn't need to. But right, it's uh it's the same thing Google's doing because you it doesn't make sense in 2017 
to have one vendor have different platforms with differing features for developers, right? Like Windows, Windows and Mac OS can be different because those are different comp- those are different experiences or different operating systems. They make sense on a technical level to be different. But why should Mac OS and iOS be different? Why should Chrome OS and Android be different? Why should Windows? Well, Microsoft's furthest ahead, but LOL, Windows Phone is dead. But right, so it's just like it makes sense to do this from a technical perspective because I don't, I, I think we have enough processing power now where it's not, we're not going to have a Java situation, right? Where we can, we can do this smart enough where the back end can be shared because it's like, that's, that's programming, right? Like why, like a code that writes that plays music on Mac OS should probably work a little bit the same on iOS, right? It's the same, similar, it's a similar system, lower level, right? Maybe, yes. Maybe if you have enough abstraction layers uh, on top of it, yes. Uh, well, I mean, that's what you do with Swift, right? Swift's just all functional, and it's all abstractions, and it's all nice things like that, where you, maybe if Objective-C, Objective-C, you'd probably, wouldn't this idea wouldn't work as much. But I think with Swift, it's Swift is abstracted away enough where you can have this work, and Apple can make this work uh, at a level for, maybe not for games, maybe for games that aren't using Unity, right? But like native code, that kind of stuff, like uh things that are more lower level, you might not work for everything. That's fine. But for most general apps, I think this is the best way forward because then you you don't you don't have to spend time having two separate code bases. You don't have to spend time having someone know app kit and UI kit. We can just learn this new one. And I mean Apple's been testing it, right? Like uh a couple of Mac apps now use this thing called UX kit, which Stephen Trout Smith on Twitter has been going super deep into. And it's just like UX kit is the, from what he's found, it's like sort of like a wrapper that makes app kit work like UI kit. And I imagine this is probably what Apple's been eternally testing. So I don't know. I, I think, I don't think there's any downside suits if they do it. Like maybe, I don't think, well, they're downside suit if they do it the wrong way. But I think because it's taken this long for this to happen, because the first sign of UX kit was the new photos app almost like three, four years ago. Right. So I don't, I don't think that, uh, this is a new idea inside of Apple. And it, it you just have to do it because it's where else does your desktop platform go? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the that's a lot of conjecture on this story. And uh, if you want to hear more about it, I'm sure you can go listen to uh, ATP and Oh yeah, ATP this week was good on it. Under, under the radar, <laughs> uh, under the radar had a good episode on it uh, about what it means for developers. Uh, you know, go check that out. Uh, now we're going to move on to sort of a end of the year. We're doing the end of the year stuff here. So uh, we're going to do music of the year. 2017 was a year of a lot of good EPs and not great albums, right? Like we had a, we had some good albums, but honestly, the there were some really quality EPs. And most of my list this year is going to be just some EPs. So I want to get started with Young Martha by Young Thug and DJ Carnage. Because Homie Slaps, Liger Slaps. Fucking 10,000 slimes. All the songs on this four song EP are great songs. They're, they're bangers. They slap. Young Thug is just like experimenting with his voice and doing some, some wild ass shit. And it's great. Like, I, I want more. I want, I want a Young Martha album. Um, like, I don't know. Liger is just such a great song. Like, it's the, the beats are great the beat it's it's all it's slimy right <laughs> it's slimy uh, it's extremely slimy um, so good and it's and, and i think the thing about this is it, it shows some like our, our more creative directions in hip-hop which is which is always good uh so go ahead it's fun yeah. it's creative it's colorful um 
so yeah, that's Young Martha, Young Thug, DJ Carnage. Please check it out. It's a great EP. Uh, another one, the next one I want to talk about is the Virtual Self EP. Uh, it's self self titled piece. It's by Virtual Self, and this is a side project by Porter Robinson, if I'm correct. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. And take those Nightcore anime mixes, DDR music from like earlier DDR games, a little Katamari Katamari Damacy, yeah, Damacy, yeah um and just like mid 2000 no early capsule maybe a little bit of the future sound of london and like some off-brand daft punk and mix it all together and you have this great ep like i don't think it's perfect i i think it's definitely flawed but who's making music like this outside of like weird Bandcamp album releases or youtube mixes right I mean, it sounds it sounds very much like the music you would find in Toho games. Like if you if, if people who play those probably this that's not a game genre I play, but uh, I'm sure some of the listeners are into it. Uh, They're Osu mixes. <laughs> I, I mean, if you like that kind of music, definitely go check this out because this might be right up your alley. It's not quite my alley. I used to listen to some of this music uh, a while back. I used to listen to a lot of uh, stuff like Fripside and uh, all that kind of a lot of Japanese music that was sort of Toho related uh, somehow. Uh, but I don't anymore. So it's, it's not, it doesn't really like, I don't, I'm not really into it as much as I used to be as when I was like 14, but yeah. So if you're into it, go check it out. That's, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it's just really creative and it's all about that crystal. <laughs> I still don't get the story of this. I just know there's a crystal <laughs> and spirits and stuff. And like, that's my shit. Not understanding a story about crystals and stuff. <laughs> so uh next one that we, i want to talk about is an actual album release forever is a mighty long time by big crit it's a double double lp it's it's a good album it's like it, it's such like a it's a journey right like it's a it's a sonic soundscape really because it goes from like some deep southern trap shit just all the way to like gospel inspired stuff of keep the devil off like it it takes you around the circuit on so many different sounds and so many different like perspectives and the such. And you know, I haven't even I haven't heard this one, so I, I'm gonna have to give it a listen afterwards because this sounds extremely interesting. Yeah, <laughs> if it's uh, it bangs, it slaps. It also it's slow. Like it 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 hits everything that you want. And like there, you just tell there's so much work and care put into this album, and it's just like Big Kurt's rapping his ass off, and I appreciate it. I, I, I just, there's, there's, so there's some albums, right? Like, um, there's some albums like say like flower boy, right? Where some songs are suited for certain moods and other songs are suited for other moods, but they're all great songs. And this is that kind of album. Not every song will be good for you at every time. Right. But it's diverse enough and it provides enough content, enough quality content that you can pick your favorite songs for this day and have some favorite songs for another day, all fitting on the mood and it's all encompassing in this one project. And I think it's great. It's a great album. Um, so please check out Forever is a Mighty Long Time. And so next we have uh, we have some more poppy picks. Uh, not not actual poppy because poppy.computer is not that great of an album. Don't at me. But uh Rainbow by Kesha. Oh, this one is this one is special. Uh, this one is special because like it's she. So the context behind this album is that I think she came out. I don't know if it ever was like confirmed that she had a bit of an abusive relationship with her previous producer. But uh, from what we can tell, 
that she was trapped in a contract of a producer that wasn't working for her and the dude was being a bit abusive. Um, and so this is the album that she was able to get out of that contract and this is the album she released and there's so much emotion behind it. There's so many colors, right? Like this is such a colorful album. I love it. Yeah, this like my couple of my favorite tracks, uh, track number three, Woman, uh, a really powerful track. Uh, and there's also Praying, which is extremely like emotional i feel like it, this is a very emotional album from top to bottom and i feel like it, it it feels very refreshing to hear an album like this uh in 2017 uh it feels very real i think that's that's the key here yeah it's uh i i think in terms of pop album goes this the pop albums released this year goes this this album has a lot of weight a lot of substance and like I said earlier, I just want to say it one more time. It's so colorful. I love it because of that. Um, 2017, dark year, but uh, bright things make things better. So uh, please check out Rainbow by Kesha. And uh, my next album on the music of the year list, list is Control by SZA. Uh, SZA is a artist on the Top Dog label, which you might know by having Schoolboy Q, Kendrick, um, many other rappers. A few others, yeah. Yeah. And... Control is it? It's like a, it's it's a story album, right? Like it's sort of like a narrative album being told by her mother. Um, it's it doesn't follow a strict narrative. It isn't as hard to the narrative as the Pippa Butterfly is or Dam is, but it's essentially telling the story of a woman playing around with fuckboys to someone to to her growing into a person of her own, right? Like there's a lot of songs about just fucking dudes over, which is always great. There's a lot of songs about what it means to be herself as an adult. And it, it takes you for a trip. And I think that uh, that we she she exists in the same space as Frank Ocean does, where it's like this is R&B and pop. Right. But it isn't the stereotypical 2017 R&B that's just drowned in reverb. Yeah. Um, like she's afraid yeah. to, or not. She's not afraid. She's not afraid to play with sound right, and shoot for different genres and bend outside of traditional pop and R&B to bring in interesting sounds. Yeah. Like uh, I did listen to this album, but. Uh, I don't think I, it quite hit it off. Uh, only like one track. I think it was Garden. I think Garden was uh, was a superb track. Uh, but I think I'm gonna have to give it another listen. Sometimes I think what happens with uh, I think R and B albums is uh, they sort of blend in the background. So like if you're listening to it, uh, you might not feel it straight away. I think a few lessons uh, are needed. So I'm gonna go give that another listen. Hopefully it, it, it meshes better uh, another time. So Christian, what else? What else have you got? Yeah, we have uh we have one more on this on this list, and this is the one that I recently actually you told me because your brother told you about it, right? <laughs> it's a uh, Rina by Rina, and I apologize if I butchered his last name. Sawayama. So she is a Japanese pop singer who who's from the UK, and this is another great EP. Uh, it, it's some great pop tracks. It's honest, and what carries it really is. So this has more of a mid two thousand sound. Like some of it's some of it's caught from like some boy band girl band stuff, right? Like some of it is very Britney Spears uh, stuff. Like and uh, it's so good though. It's it's done well, right? I I think uh, some folks have this notion that pop music is gross because it's pop, and that you know, real to be a real music connoisseur, you have to like be into that indie grimy stuff. <laughs> but no, no, this album is just fucking great. It's some great pop tracks. Like I am, I'm I'm glad you shared it with me because 
Sometimes I just need some Britney Spears shit in my life. The Britney Spears stuff is good. Uh, there's a couple tracks I like, uh, Take Me As I Am, and uh, the last track on the album, uh, or EP, rather, uh, Cyber Stockholm Syndrome, which is which is a very good track. Uh, so give it a give it a look. Uh, like This is a new artist. This is the first time I've heard of her, so I think this is like a debut album. Uh, and who else in 2017 or 2018 is going to give you a song where the chorus is about checking your notifications? Hell yeah. Like, come, like, come <laughs> on. Like, extremely, extremely on point. Uh, so that's I think Christian's list. Um, gonna move on to mine. Uh, mine is a bit more heavy hitting, I suppose. I, I went a bit. Uh, so I'm gonna start off with with my with like I guess not a surprise. Kendrick Lamar's damn was was a big deal this year. Uh, probably the biggest hip hop album this year. I think. Uh, I we we did an episode on it. If you go back in our archives and search, uh, uh, we'll have it on the show. Yeah, next. yeah, I we did an uh, we did an episode. Yeah, we did an episode on it. We talked about, we talked about it in detail uh, about this album. So I'm not gonna go into much detail, but uh, I'm just gonna say like from album from top to bottom is is a solid. Uh, there are obviously a few weak tracks that we mentioned. Uh, go check out the music videos. Uh, there was the, the most recent music video was for Love, and I think it was a very good one. Uh, I think I should go check all of them out because they're all very good. Uh, um, and I should probably say why I didn't include it on my list, right? So. I didn't put Damn or any of the other... We've talked about some of the albums on Static List for episodes of the show before, right? I put those on my list because I I think Damn is a great album, but I don't know. I kind of I kind of wanted, like, halfway during the year, I just kind of got sick of listening to moody music that moves you away from it. Like, like make, no, make no doubt about it. I still think Damn is great, and Fear still is a song that resonates with me so much. But I I just needed music this year to pull me out of that space. That's, yeah, that's, it. that's entirely fair. I feel, I feel Damn, like, I, I don't think, um, I like, as I mentioned, I do like Damn, but I don't think I can listen to it regularly, uh, except for a few of the single tracks, like DNA or Humble. Uh, because the album is serious uh, in a lot of its content matter, I feel, uh, and not always the best listen, which is fine. I think it's it doesn't actually uh, that doesn't degrade the album in any way. It just is like that, um, and I feel like it's an album that is good to be listened as an album as a whole, like not as single tracks uh, as well. So that's the thing. Uh, my next album, uh, this one was. Uh, uh, this one is Brockhampton's Saturation 2. And uh, if you haven't listened to Brockhampton yet, uh, I'm not sure what you're doing with your life because you should go listen to it. Listen to all their stuff. Go listen to Saturation 1, 2, and 3. See which uh, which ones you like. Uh, but Saturation 2, which uh, which had some top-tier tracks like uh, like Sweet and like uh, Queer and like... Swamp, Gamba, the g- opening, yeah, one, right? gummy, uh, and it's just like, like Brockhampton is just so much like talent, and like the production is on Saturation Two, just like so smooth. Uh, just, just go listen to it. Like it's, it's. I think I feel like Satur- uh, like Brockhampton's like, like honestly, it feels like Brockhampton just came out of nowhere. Like it's, it's kind of a, a bit of a, a bit of a sort of thing in hip hop this year. Uh, I guess. Uh, Brockhampton is really ruling. They released three albums in one year, which is also uh, extremely impressive. Three good albums in one year. Let's get that straight. Like, uh, Saturation 2 might be sad, but like we said, listen to all three. Saturation 1, 2, and 3 slap. Uh, Saturation 3 is my favorite one. 
man, I, like that that much output in one year is impressive, uh, and, and the output being good is all even more impressive. So, if like breakout hip hop acts of the year, I think goes to goes to uh, Brockhampton for sure. Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's it's people are gonna be listening to this albums for a while. Uh, go check out Saturation 2. Uh, I would recommend actually starting from Saturation 1 to get sort of like this feel for Brockhampton. Uh, and if you speak Spanish, there's actually a story that goes through all three albums. It's not the, the the tracks are not just actually random Spanish. They do tell a story, but that's only if you speak Spanish or you can just check the translations on Genius. Yep. Uh, next up is next up is, is, is a special album. Uh, we talk, also talked about this on the podcast. Uh, I think the episode was called Uncle Jay, uh, and it was uh, it's, it's Jay Z's uh, 444, uh, a sort of uh, I guess a return to form for Jay Z here. Uh, and I don't think Jay Z was ever off his form, but it was a return anyway. Uh, and it's like the whole album is very very personal, very intro introspective, and talking about uh, family relationships, talking about. Uh, saving money, talking about you know his uh, the whole drama with with his wife, uh, with the album Lemonade that came out last year, you know, uh, family stuff. It's talking about the movie Moonlight in one of the tracks. You know, it's 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 a, as a whole, it's a very it's really introspective. Yeah, right? it is very introspective. I'm not gonna go much into detail. If you want to like go, get get our details on it, you can go check out that episode we did on it. Uh, but I feel like this was a very good album. Like Jay, like the the sampling by No ID, the production is top notch. Uh, just just a very nice sounding album. Uh, the the feature on the third track, Smile by Jay Z's mom, is heartbreaking and but very you know very hopeful. And I think that is that is a good good look for this year. I think. Uh, so that's that's Jay Z's forty four four forty four rather not forty four. Uh, the next up. This one caught caught me by surprise. Uh, Jaden Smith's Sire, uh, and I I didn't expect this honestly. Like this was unexpected to say the least. Like all of the tracks on here, I was just like, this is this is some good shit. Like uh, listen to like Hope uh, and like uh, Rapper. Uh, both of those tracks I think are very very good tracks. Uh, Christian, did did you like any tracks on this album? I think you you, you mentioned this album to me. Uh, um. So I like the B-L-U-E, right? Blue, the first. And then after that, this thing went to shit for me. I just don't, I don't, I don't like this album. I think that the first four or five tracks, good. And the rest of it is garbage. Um, I, we're a lot, a lot of our perspectives, but I just, I, I just think that Jaden Smith is not a competent singer or rapper. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, I, I think that his, his flow is just copying so many others, right? Like it's not an original flow. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's, that's like Charlie. Fry. I don't think a lot of the tracks other than rapper and hope really resonated with me that's that's a fair I'm like i'm putting it i'm putting this album here because i feel like this is sort of like you know someone's sort of first foray i feel like jaden smith needs some time to grow and i thought yeah that's definitely a very flawed and i would say sometimes not very this good this is like his third album though this isn't J- this is jaden smith's first album i i i guess i don't know it is but you know like give the kid uh, this is a, this is his first full project, I think. I don't know, um, but it's his first studio like backed project, but it's definitely not his first foray into music. Uh, like I, I I'm, I guess I'm more lenient towards uh, Jaden Smith. I guess 
And also the lyrical content, though. It's just like, he's like, yeah, girl, I'm just struggling. And it's like, dude, your dad's Will Smith. Don't you, The word struggle should never come out your fucking mouth. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's that's a bit. Yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I like some of the lyrical content, not bad lyrics, notwithstanding. Um, and it feels a bit, you know, like fresh, like uh, like I'm looking for unique stuff here. And it's a bit upbeat uh, sometimes. And, you know. Check it out if you if you kind of if, I I don't understand if it's not for you it's it's I I guess weird though right because I loved Neo Yokio you hated it you like sire <laughs> Neo Yokio is fucking garbage I'm not even going into that shit that is garbage don't even bring it to that <laughs> Neo Yokio is the only good thing Jada Smith has put out this year bro what you talking about <laughs> No J- Neo Neo Yokio is best forgotten uh, and thrown into the fucking trash um uh, it's it's bad Oh wow I. I, fuck it just go to the next one I don't even want to say, I'm done fighting with you. You, you just go to the next one just, just go to the next topic <laughs> yeah just going to the next one um, next one is uh, a recent find by me um, a recent uh, an artist uh, South Korean and uh, artist living in uh, living in New York City called uh, Yeji 24 uh, year old uh, dance producer um and her voice is just like I found her about her from her boiler room set uh, in NYC, uh, a recording of it on YouTube. Um, and I, I checked out her uh, second EP, titled EP Two, and uh, just just, such, just some good stuff. Like it's just uh, I, I'm trying to like put a genre on it, but I can't really. Like it, it's it is it is good stuff. Just go listen to it. It's like five songs, so you know it's not that long. So. Just listen to like Rain Girl or like uh, Drink I'm Sipping On. Um, good stuff. Uh, go check out our Boiler Room set. Uh, check out Boiler Room sets in general. It's a good place to find music. Um, next up, we have the Halloween uh, album, I guess, from 21 Savage Offset and Metro Boomin uh called without warning and this thing slaps like honestly this is this is some good good car music i guess uh as the kids would call it uh it, oh my god the, the term is it bumps in the whip old, <laughs> dad dad it bumps in the whip not good car music uh, uh good car music is gonna be the title of the episode i think it's good but yeah without warning is just hard-hitting halloween music like it's it's just Spooky, sp- oh, spooky, sp- spooky right? beats, yeah. spooky beats. <laughs> uh, uh, Metro Boobin, as usual, with his signature style. I mean, you can't go wrong. Uh, I think with a good Metro Boobin beat, uh, it is worth a listen. There are good tracks like uh, Ghost Fist Killers with Travis Scott in it. Uh, the Ric Flair Drip is probably the best track. You know, it's just give it a listen. I mean, if you're still in the spooky Halloween mood, it's it's worth to listen. So that's that's without warning. Uh and the last mention, um, it's it's is is a bit of a different one from the other ones. This Destiny 2 original soundtrack uh by a few folks, a uh, few composers here, Michael Salvatore, Sky Lewin, C. Paul Johnson, Rodin Mob, and Peter Schlosser. Uh, uh the Destiny the first Destiny I've had a very good soundtrack. Uh, Destiny Two uh, re- returns with a very solid soundtrack. I I, I love the soundtrack from top to bottom. Uh, Christian, what did you think of the Destiny Two soundtrack? I think I thought it was pretty solid. 
fuck Destiny 2, <laughs> but yo, that soundtrack bangs. Yeah, like that's that's my thought on it. Like Destiny 2, the game is 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 extremely flawed and you know problematic in many ways. Uh, but the, the the music is 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 good stuff. Uh, I think a few tracks like Lost Light uh, with the Chronos Quartet in it are like. Uh, like the last city or like um, you know, Domino's Call or like Icora. Um it's a word to listen. You can pick the uh pick the OST up from the Bungie store. Like you can get you can they'll give you a flag version of it. So you know you get the lossless quality. It's good shit. Uh, uh and then also there's a leak out of a uh, leaked Destiny One promotional project. Uh we we want to put that on our end year list, but it never officially came out, so we kinda can't. But it never officially came out due to I think to legal issues with the composer. Uh but find a rip of it somewhere, you know, Apollo. Uh, just, I'm know. just gonna it's on it's on Ars Technica. Just just go to Ars Technica. There's a YouTube video, just go go listen to it. Cause that one's better than a Destiny 2 OST, but we can't put it on our list because I do not want a DCMA. Yeah, it, it, I mean Martin O'Donnell. Martin O'Donnell can do no wrong. Uh, if, if if people who don't know who Martin O'Donnell is, uh, he's been with Bungie for a long time. Uh, he did the Halo, the Halo One soundtrack, which is he did all the original Halo soundtracks. Uh, Marathon Two, I think he worked on. Maybe maybe I think he worked on Marathon. Yeah, yeah, I think he I think he's been with Bungie for a while. So that's he's no he, longer there though. He's illegal. illegal falling yeah. out they had, but uh, it's Paul McCartney and Marty O'Donnell, and they're doing uh. There's a leaked leaked album that you should definitely go look uh look see if you find it off the back of a truck. Uh, you know, yeah, just just go to our Technica. You know, you'll find it. It's 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 up there. Uh, just search it. Uh, if 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 it gets taken down, I'm sure it'll be elsewhere. You know, stuff like this. Once it's leaked, it's it's gonna be everywhere. So you that, can just always files are forever. Files are forever. Uh, and music is good. Uh, that's I think our episode. Uh, I don't unless you have anything yeah. more to say, Christian. Uh, no, you know, music's forever. I hope. I hope 20, 2018 gets us Turbo Graphics from Kanye West. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, maybe a new Frank Ocean thing. Maybe Earl Sweatshirt. Earl Sweatshirt. We haven't heard from him for like four, three, four years now. Hopefully, we get some new music. Um, but really, though, I think I think musically this year was a little sleepy, but that's all right because 2015 and 2016 were so like hype, right? Like you had you had to Pippa Butterfly, and then after that you had Blonde and all the stuff that Kanye dropped. So it's like you know you can't you can't expect every year to be a winning year, and you know uh... it had some good stuff, uh, good low key stuff, I think, which is also important. Good hopeful stuff like Kesha's album, you know, like it's good stuff there. Also, what I want to start doing for 2018 is. Less mainstream releases, more browsing a Bandcamp and independent releases. You know that's you know that's fair. Uh, I actually don't do that as much often as I should. Um, I, I do love Bandcamp a lot, and I, and I do buy music from there, but I don't really ex- use their sort of explore feature. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just want to like try and make it a goal, right? Because I think that I think that there might have been. I feel like I always feel like there's more music that we just slept on because we didn't find it. And I think with with the circles, with the circles we're in, we can definitely put out uh, more artists that that maybe should have more of a platform, right? Yeah, that's. I think that's twenty eighteen resolutions. I guess uh, just you know find more artists. You know, like try to find more underground artists. We're trying to explore. I think a little bit more uh, further afield. I guess uh, stuff like Bandcamp uh, is is worth a shot. I think that's that's with that. I think gonna leave off we, we can find us me or you can find me on mastodon at static safe at mastodon.zombacloud.com and christian you can find me at josephine at instance.business 
And uh, you can also obviously find the show notes at twoshadesofbrown.com. The con- there's a contact email there if you want to send feedback, corrections, you know, uh, Christian's hot takes about Neo Yokio, which is garbage. Um, <laughs> that's a good show. Yeah, so yeah, that that's that. Uh, with that, goodbye. Bye.